All right, the scripture reading today is from Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. It's found on page 180 in your pew Bible. So uh, before we read the scripture, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Jabeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked for 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give, to give us as a land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this, day, to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the four, 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate and the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased after that after they ate and the produce of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Word of God for the people of God. Well, very much appreciate um, everyone who led Bible school and uh, everyone who brought your children to that. Thank you so much. Um, it was a um, very good time. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something when about a third to half of your congregation leaves for children's church. Is a, it's, it's a healthy sign. So um, to help us understand um, the passage in Joshua, we need to go back 40 years. Um, and hear about uh, what has kind of led to this moment from Numbers chapter 14. We hear there where the spies, you'll remember 12 spies were sent out uh, to look at the promised land and come back and report back, and 10 of those said, the people there are really big, they will beat us up. There's a lot of good stuff there, but they're going to beat us up. Joshua and Caleb say, there's a lot of good stuff there. It's big people, but God is faithful. In this moment, the nation of Israel says, I think we need to go back to Egypt. 
this is, this is only a short time after they've left. Um, they decide they want to leave. They even talk about getting someone else to lead them instead of Moses. Joshua and Caleb tell them um, that God is with us and uh, will go up, but the people um, refuse to hear them. They refuse to listen, and they begin to rebel and want to get someone else and say, you know, we'll just go back to slavery. We'll just go back to Egypt. In verse 11, the Lord says to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I've done for them, I will strike them with pestilence, disinherit them. I will make you a nation greater than they. I will get rid of all them, and I will raise a nation from you, Moses. Moses intercedes on behalf of the people and and, uh, says, God, you've promised to be with them. Have mercy. Forgive. God forgives the nation. He pardons them, and yet he judges um, the, 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 the people who refuse to go in to say, you're not entering now. You're going to wander for 40 years. This is why they wandered uh, 40 years in the wilderness. God said, until this generation dies out, none of this generation except for Joshua and Caleb will get to enter in. And so they wander and they wander and they wander until the events that we come to in the book of Joshua, where they now have crossed over the waters. We've I looked at how God led them through the waters of the Jordan miraculously to bring them into this new land, and it is just um, the time right before the Passover. And so God directs Joshua to circumcise the people, that is to receive the mark of being part of God's covenant family, Um, that saying that, you know, the, the generation that came out had the sign, but those who are here now had not received it. And so before they enter in, before they celebrate the Passover, because one must have the, the mark of being a, the covenant people, uh, had them to um, um, be circumcised, uh, to receive this sign that they're, they're cut off, separated from the other nations to be a separate people for God, that they are purified to God and that they would be the ones who could um, come to the Lord's table uh, in the Passover. And so they do so and uh, take some time for healing. And um, we're, we're told the reason for this is God's judgment. And then they celebrate the meal. They celebrate the Passover. It's their first meal of produce that was not uh, of the land. Um, they receive food that they didn't work for. They receive grain from the land that they are there. We're not told the details how this is, but then they celebrate their first meal of the Passover and then the manna, which was God's miraculous bread for the people uh, day by day through their wanderings uh, ceased. So no longer were they fed with manna. Now they eat the produce of the land God had given them, the promised land. Now, one of the things we see here is God is as faithful to his warnings, to his threats, as he is to his promises. The reason they are now having to um, renew this covenant with this new covenant sign is because they had rebelled against God. And God said, if you do this, you're... I'm not going to let you enter the land. You're going to wander. You're going to die outside of what I've promised. You're not going to receive the promise if you don't trust me. And we see that God did what he said he would do. 
those who had rebelled, those who didn't trust in him, who were ready to go back into slavery and bondage in Egypt, they wandered and were buried in the desert, did not inherit what God had given to them. And it's a good reminder for us that God warns us that his justice is true, that he will call us to account for sin and rebellion. We don't like to talk about this. We love God's promises and his gentleness and his goodness. I've, I've often seen little books with scripture excerpts that talk about God's promises. None of those promises are ever God's promises that we will be held accountable for our sin. None of those promises ever include the promises that God is just as well as merciful. And so as we we see what's going on, what we have to see is God is a just God. He is gracious and he is merciful, but he is not a God who overlooks sin. He's not a God who allows rebellion. He is a God who holds us uh, to account and he is uh, as faithful to his words of judgment as he is to his promises of mercy and grace. You know, uh, there, there's this kind of um, myth that the Old Testament was about God's wrath and the New Testament was about Jesus, that grace is really just kind of God lowering a standard. He, he just doesn't really care as much about those things as he said so. It's absolutely not true. Jesus himself talked about God's judgment more than anyone else. And so we, we hear the wonderful promise, the true promise that God sent his son into the world that whoever believes in him should not be condemned. But later in the very chapter is the reminder that whoever believes in the son shall have life, John three thirty six. But whoever does not obey the son shall not see life because the wrath of God remains on him. And, and there is the promise that for those who are in sin, those who are in rebellion, God gives them what they justly deserve. It's only fair. If you do not want God, I've said this many times, God gives you what you choose. And if you do not want God, he is life. He is truth. He is beauty. He is light. And to turn away from the one who is light is to choose death. To to turn away and run from the one who is light is to choose darkness. To turn away from beauty is is to go for ugliness, to choose, to turn away from the one who is truth is to choose deceit. And God gives us what we call for, what we choose, and he is just. He was just to them, so do not be mocked. Do do not deceive yourself. God is a God of justice. But even in that, even in this reminder that Sin will be held accountable for. God is just. No wrong against anyone will be overlooked. It's also this wonderful sign of hope. God is faithful to his promises of mercy. His word is sure, whether it's a, a threat and a warning or whether it's a promise. When, when he was saying, hey, Moses, I'll just wipe them out and raise up another and, and Moses says, no, be faithful to him. He is. And, and he doesn't say, you didn't keep the covenant sign. Here's a little technicality. You didn't follow the small print on the contract. The coupon small print, you didn't look at. It's expired. You didn't give this sign. 
you're out of here. You're not going in. You're not my people. The fact that they received this mark and this sign of um, being included in the covenant, of being separated from the nations and part of God, this, this second renewal covenant is God saying, I'm faithful. I made my promises. You stumbled. You rejected. You failed. But you repented and turned back to me in trust. And so here again is the sign. And so, believer, if you're trusting in Jesus, you have stumbled this week. You have not done what you know you ought to do. You come in again, and and if you're like me, you say this prayer of confession, and you're saying, I was saying the same thing last week and last month. If you've stumbled and you've fallen... Here is your your reminder that he is a God who gives another chance, and he is faithful and says, you're still my people. You didn't keep this sign. You didn't stay faithful. You stumbled. You wanted to run away, but I've kept you, not because you're good and because you've tried hard enough, because you are my people. And if you turn to me and if you trust in me, even when you stumble, even when you fall, even when you want to go back to Egypt, I call you back to myself. Because I have redeemed you and I have made you mine. Know this, this, them being renewed in this covenant is a sign of you being renewed in God's covenant in spite of our failures, in spite of my mistakes, he brings us in. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that the God in Christ who taught us forgive 70 times 7 does that? He, he, he forgives us over and over again. He renews his promises to us every day. And so he is not one who is quick to say, here's the technicality, you're out. He says, if you're trusting in me, you're mine. And if if you're here with us and you're not sure if you believe or what it means to trust, here's the good news. They don't receive this sign because they did a good job and he rewarded them in saying, you're my people. They're there because they simply trust and even in their mistakes, even in their sins, the way we are made part of God's family, the way we're brought into this nation made up of all nations is not by hard work and effort and promising to do better. We're brought in by trusting in one who is gracious and loving and is faithful in that promise of grace. Isn't it good to trust in one who knows the worst about you and was willing to go to the cross to pay for it, to make you his own. And even when we live as though that's not true, as even as we live as though we don't believe it, he is patient and gentle and renews his covenant with us. We have been marked not with circumcision, but with the sign of baptism as a sign of being... um, cleansed from our sin as a sign of being brought into this kingdom of the risen Lord and that we come now to this table where we remember not that we were um, in slavery to Egypt, but we were enslaved and in bondage to sin and death. And he has conquered the grave to free us. He has paid for our sins to free us. And he brings us in in spite of our sins, in spite of our failures, trust in this promise. I, when I picked Joshua, 
I had no idea how much this was going to deal with sacraments, but I've seen it all over the place. I mean, how can we not say that the sign of the covenant and coming to the covenant meal is, is here? He's a reminder, I'm renewing this covenant with you, and I'm bringing you to this meal. And we see over and over as, as they pass through the waters, as they eat this, that we too, in our, this long line of, of the people who have been redeemed through Jesus, are the ones who now receive this sign, come to this meal, that we do this now remembering that it's provisional. It's only there for a time. The manna that they received wasn't meant to be forever. The manna had to have been a great thing. The manna, though they got bored with it, they, the manna was a miraculous provision to give them things in their journey, but it ceases, it stops. It, the manna was pointing to taking the bread that was going to be from the promised land. It, it was just to, to carry them along in their journey. And there's a sense in which that we come to this table as we celebrate the bread of heaven, knowing that this is bread for our journey and our wanderings in the wilderness of life. This is here not only to remember that Christ died and his body was given to us, but it's to remember that we are called to the fulfillment. This, like the manna, is provisional. We, we take it looking forward to the day when we will be in Christ's kingdom and that we will sit at the table with the lamb himself. And he will break bread, having called people from north and south and east and west, from all the nations who are gathered together to share in this meal in his promised kingdom. I, I just love this picture that the, the manna was there until they finally ate the real thing in the land that promise, uh, promise that God had made to them. They come into the land and they eat the bread they didn't work for. You just slap us in the face that we will enter into his kingdom, a kingdom that we didn't work for. And rather than this bread, we will feast on the king himself. We will share the meal with him, and we will not have just signs mediating his covenant love for us, but we will be in his presence. We will look on his face, and we will have all the, the, the reward of his kingdom that is given to us. Brothers and sisters and friends, apart from Christ, we will um, be held accountable. Justice will be done. There's not enough good in me to make up for the bad I've done. There's no way I could ever um, make up for some of the things I've said and done to others. If I'm hoping in myself I'm hopeless. But if my hope is in Christ, he was perfect and his blood covers all my sins. And he marks me as part of this family in baptism. And he offers this to you to trust in him, to receive welcome into his family, to come and take bread at this table, doing so with the hope that one day, not only will be in his kingdom, but I won't stumble anymore. My wanderings will cease. I will no longer sin and I will look on him who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us pray. Lord God, we pray that you would um, make these promises real to us. Help us to trust in Jesus. Help us to follow him.
Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed.